0: Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. So the idea that the hundredth episode of the Good Athlete Project would appear in this moment in time, actually, now that I say it, really brings to life the reasons why we do this work. Yeah, if you think about that, because like, and, and we've mentioned this to a lot of athletes in in mostly Zoom workshops at this point, but like, what? What would you, like, what are the life, life lessons you'd hope to get out of sport? Uh, could you name them? And if, if so, are those appearing now? And I'll, I'll get less abstract and more specific. Like, if, if we don't have resilience and adaptability and the ability to come together as community slash team, if we don't have all of, of these really important, quote unquote, life lessons that one learns from sport in this COVID worldwide pandemic moment, then we haven't been using sport to its full potential. And I think, honestly, I, I think there's there's been some really, really encouraging things to come out of this. And you and I have had this conversation sort of behind the scenes, but we've seen it, you know, in a variety of ways. There are coaches who, my goodness, like just straight up, like stepped up to the plate in inspiring ways and busted their butts for the sake of their kids, when their season was shut down or when their off season was shut down or when very simply the kids that they work with were scattered across the country at the college level or just sent home at the high school level, did everything they could to really do their best for those kids. And then there are some people who very understandably kind of backed off. Um, And I think I speak to everyone because there's no right or wrong in this whole thing. But there is a, I think, a moment to pause and ask the question: like, why that is? Why, if you stepped up to the plate immediately, why did you do that? If so, what did you try to teach? If so, what if you taught something? What did your kids get out of it? Like, you know, were those kids able to thrive? That'd be an interesting sort of um, line to follow to see if those students were better off during quarantine. I wonder too about the coaches who who sort of backed off and just sort of uh, bunkered down a little bit and understandably took care of themselves and their family. Again, there is nothing wrong with that. But but there's just, do you follow me on this? There's Mm -hmm. just like an assortment of questions that come to my mind like, where is this coach? uh, The coach that stepped up, why so, what did they teach? The coach that backed off, and this is part of the work we do. What's going on with that human being? You know, what made them afraid? You know, like that is such an interesting and that's a compelling idea to me because what we would wanna do and what we try to do in our professional development and consulting is we nestle in with that coach who may have been afraid for him or herself, him or her, his or her family, uh, whatever it might've been. We wanna work with that coach. And I'm not gonna go any further than that. But um, the idea is if you accept the responsibility of coach and mentor, then you must coach and mentor. And if you don't coach and you don't mentor then you are not a coach or a mentor and this is just language mm-hmm. but that's not to say that were a worldwide pandemic wouldn't make that a lot more difficult on a lot of coaches and mentors yeah and we are here to help people get from where they are to where they want to be coach player athletic director teacher whatever it might be so i don't know
1: no it's an interesting idea and i think um you know to your question earlier about are we going to include this in the 100th episode to be honest with you, it feels fitting. Like uh it feels fitting in a lot of ways because like when we were talking about what we wanted to do, we we wanted to talk about like where we've been, where we're going, where we are now, all that stuff and uh I think if nothing else this has made everybody pause and do the same thing in their own life in some way shape or form. Um, and reflect and say, you know, whether that was like nostalgia for the way things were sure. like kind of taking in the way that things are in this moment and then looking ahead. And like you said, saying, well, what is this thing going to look like, you know, moving forward now? And there's a lot of interesting questions. And it's, it's funny because I think about all the topics that we've talked about over the past year. Uh, not just with the people that we've talked to, but everything, like even the conversations just between you and I, and I think about like, we had a conversation with Hugh Williams regarding the NCAA model, right. And talking about the like pros of it, the cons of it and how it could be changed and manipulated. And now we're kind of staring down the barrel of like, that has to happen. What do what do you mean?
0: NCAA model.
1: Like the NCAA model, Hugh compensating it, players, yeah, compensating yeah. players. Like, and and the idea of like Hugh being an advocate for pure amateurism, right, and saying that we take the money out of it and we we literally go back to the days of just pure amateurism, or we actually have to pay these guys, and it's got to be more of a like a professional model because this in between existence doesn't work. And then you think about now, like I, it's just interesting to me because it does seem to me like that kind of prediction while while i don't think that he factored in a pandemic right it's just funny that we had a conversation where it was like eventually this thing's going to come to a head right and eventually like they're going to have to make a decision which way they're going to go and it seems like we're at that moment right now because especially the big 10 now just said that they're only playing conference games right. um the ivy league is having no fall sports whatsoever and so now like this model is going to have to change because a lot of the revenue that was supposed to be there is no longer there and places are scrambling. So I just think it's kind of interesting and and almost weirdly fitting in a way that it's like you said, that it's happening right now because it is forcing people to talk about and confront a lot of the topics that we have, you know, kind of talked about and confronted in the past, maybe not confronted, but talked about in the past on past episodes.
0: Yeah, I I, I think I'm hearing you say that that this that this time to sort of slow down has hopefully given us time to more deeply consider things. Let's let's get to more of a true heart of the hundredth episode, which is um, how like what a cool thing it is that we are 100 episodes deep in a podcast. Think think of yourself like five years ago. Did you ever? Think that you would be a podcast editor for one, and then could you imagine of getting like I remember this is not the same, of course, but like I remember like the Simpsons hundredth episode. Like TV shows get to like a hundred episodes, yeah, yeah. It's like a big deal. Yeah, we're um, we're on the hundredth episode of the Good Athlete Project. It is a time for nostalgia. I think it's also a time to share with our listeners um, some of the things that we've done. Over the course of what has it been three years almost?
1: Yeah, the first one came out in 2017, so we it, it'll be almost exactly three years in almost all. exactly yeah. three years.
0: Yeah. And, and we were sitting on your uh, on a different apartment in the city of Chicago. <laughs> we we're sitting apart- on your back porch. We tried to sit out there today, but there was a, a chance of rain, so we came inside. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. So I'm gonna let you kick it off. What what are what's what's one really exciting moment over the course of the past three years podcast Um, specific
1: podcast specific moment over the past i mean um first i mean there's been a lot of cool really really cool and interesting people that we've met through the podcast and i'm not sure what have happened outside of the podcast which has been really awesome and like just to get to know those people and consider them friends um it's been cool and i think like like one person that comes to mind was uh, Brandon Lilly. That was a really great podcast. It was received really well and just yeah. the experience around it. Like he drove from Kentucky to Chicago for the podcast. He spent like a day with us just hanging out and talking. That was
0: really cool. And then I think- Brandon also- Lilly is such a unique guy. He is. For people who don't know, definitely double back on that podcast. Um, Brandon and I jumped on a uh, Coffee with a Coach interview- during the quarantine but the first one we recorded was that two summers ago at this point or last no
1: that was two years ago yeah Yeah, two summers ago crazy
0: brandon Lilly, one of the most powerful people on the planet when he was a power lifter uh also a very creative guy good writer i think he's written poetry Uh, i know he's written poetry uh non-fiction um just a really interesting and thoughtful person worth worth investigating if you haven't if you don't know much about him uh you should look into him but yeah you were about to say who else like i just
1: think also about like um man, I, <laughs> there've been a lot of cool people uh mike ditka was like a bucket list thing and that was mm. as surreal as it, because we're both chicago guys and huge bear fans i mean the idea that we went to mike ditka's restaurant and sat with him and had a conversation with
0: him he invited us to ditka's restaurant we went up to the second floor which was closed off at the time no one else was up there we sat down in this beautiful space, in the heart of the city. And yeah, sat down with Mike Dick. One thing I remember from that episode is, uh, it's even, I think in the intro, there's like these, uh, these thuds, there's like the, everything shakes, like the microphone shakes, like everything shakes. And we were trying to figure out how, we couldn't get it out of the podcast. What the shaking was, was Dick uh, pounding pounding his fist on the table yeah. uh, to emphasize certain points it was pretty pretty awesome he, i mean he's such a legend
1: that i mean that was that was the most intimidating lightning round i've done to date oh yeah
0: um <laughs> at any point he could have jumped over that table and yeah yeah and put an end to the no yeah. podcast no question yeah yeah
1: <laughs> um that would have been it but another uh and then i think about like um a more recent example would be like having um Anna Swisher on, and Anna's great. And when we, yeah, when we were down in uh, San Antonio, uh, I mean, it was just she's awesome. And there's so many connections between us and Anna that existed prior to the Good Athlete Project. Right. And to bring someone like her in that is like super qualified and just a great coach and a great person, um, and have those that that background to talk about was was really fun.
0: Yeah, Anna's fantastic. She really is. I, I agree, and people need to look her up as well. Everyone we're mentioning, by the way, go ahead and look them up. Uh, just
1: go back and listen to every single just start episode. Start the top. Folks.
0: Um, what is the There's only a
1: hundred it? episodes. It's like a hundred hours, roughly, give or take. Probably yeah, more than that.
0: Probably just over a hundred hours. you just this. over.
1: Yeah. What do you? What else are you doing? You're in quarantine.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. The um, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, Frank Beamer. Frank Beamer is pretty awesome. Frank. People, some people don't know him. He, I, I thought he was a household name. Frank Beamer is like a Hall of Fame college football coach. Played at Virginia Tech uh, back in the day. Came back to his alma mater to coach. They went from sort of like an also ran to an elite college football program. When I was watching college football in like high school, they that's – I mean like – I don't know if Michael Vick was when I was in high school or ju- or or junior high or whatever, but like when I was like a fan fan of college football, Virginia Tech was always in the conversation for a national championship or in bowl games and stuff like that. So Frank Beamer's who took them there. Uh, so we got him on the podcast. We got Nate Robinson on the podcast. Nate Robinson be, was great. Uh, Nate Robinson, multiple time uh, NBA slam dunk champion, uh, but also you you can't be from Chicago without knowing Nate Robinson. He had a, a brief stint as a bull when Derrick Rose went down, Derrick Rose, the story behind that, Derrick Rose was coming off an MVP season or two years off or something like that. But one of the premier players in the league got injured and Nate Robinson came in and he was playing, I think primarily off the bench, but in whatever role they used him, he was just a monster. Mm -hmm. And crushing people took us back to the playoffs that year. It was just like such a cool ride. Having Nate on was great. Um, but honestly, it has. It's not even the big names. I'm just trying to. I'm run. I'm trying to run through a hundred names in my head right I now. I know uh, professors Rick Weisbord and Stephanie Jones. Those are two advisors to the Good Athlete Project. They're both professors out at Harvard. I got to sit down in you know and just chat with them. It was, it was just a casual discussion about life and research, and that was really exciting.
1: And I I gotta say I mentioned his name earlier, but. We've had Hugh on now. Oh, yeah.
0: Hugh Williams has been on a couple of times. Like
1: what? three times, I think, maybe two times or uh, he's been a great. I mean, he's been a great we guest have a quarter and...
0: three published, too. But we just talked to him. Hugh's he he's awesome. He's a great guy um... <laughs>
1: Uh Coach K. Jarrett. How Jared? can we forget to mention that that was a, you know, that was a podcast guest. Yeah, that was
0: a really interesting. Yeah. And
1: now a good friend of the project. Good friend, just personally in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. We just we just poked our heads in one day in this uh, gym down in Oklahoma. Turns out it's one of the elite gyms in Oklahoma and a relationship forged and, and has built over the years and it's awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm thinking also of Dana Santos Yeah. Awesome. I was just yeah. thinking about her today. Uh, I just
1: recommended her the other day. Dana, if you got a new customer recently from the Chicagoland area, I don't know if you can see that. That's but right, but
0: Alex needs a commission. He's saying I, I'm not
1: saying I have to have one, but I don't know. Being generous,
0: I, I'm with, and, and, but like, but Dana, just thinking about how to breathe. My goodness, like what an important skill that goes that doesn't get taught. Ben Skutnik talked about how to breathe. All the guys from Power Athlete have been amazing. Obviously, I oh, love yeah. those guys just as people. Um, and I don't, I don't want to go through just like a laundry list of right? Games, right. There are, I, like, there are just so many good ones we haven't mentioned Lisa Feldman Barrett if you haven't oh, listened yeah. to the Lisa Feldman Barrett episode you have to she's fantastic Rebecca Riccio I really enjoyed that one as well she's amazing and has become a good friend of the project a Professor, another professor out at Northeastern University um, Rachel Balkovac
1: Rachel Balkovac was great and recently made history joining the uh, she was uh, she joined the yankees in yankees? some yeah. in some yeah. uh, facet um so shout out to her she's great uh and i was going to say as well like i mean dr rady who
0: john you know, rady who essentially kicked all this off you mm-hmm. know in his own way this is an important thing to reflect on let I'll, I'll go way back um i i think i've been working on the good Athlete project my whole life you know obviously not explicitly but like it comes from in part my own experiences as an athlete, as a coach, and as a researcher, slash academic, whatever, my studies. That has, it has grown because that then maps onto the experience, similar experiences of the other people in the project and it, and it evolves from there. But it started way, way back. I'm not gonna go over my first story yet, but I do have a story that I wanna share. Okay, it's personal and I really feel like I need to share it. But I will say, because you mentioned John Rady, in a more concrete way, John Brady is probably a lot of the inspiration for the Good Athlete Project. It was, I was in my 20s still. Um, I, I, and I was about to apply. I was, it was like a year or two before I applied for the head football coaching job at my alma mater. And I didn't get it. Um, I, I made it to the final three, but I didn't get it. And I think in the long run, it was probably a very, very good thing. And I know it was the right decision. And I, you know, I trust, I, I trust the guy who did get the job. Um, I trust the, the administration at the school who made the decision, all of that stuff. I don't think there's no, not an ounce of bitterness in me like I should have gotten that job. But I will say that during that time, I referred back to the work of people like John Rady Using exercise to stimulate uh, certain neurological states, brain states, to to modulate the production of serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, acetylcholine. Essentially, sorry to use big words, but like to create a neurochemical cocktail for focus, for calm, for all of these different things. I combine that with uh, some some breathing exercises. I combine that with some self deliberate self talk. Uh, to essentially get myself through what was a a challenging time and then at least a mild period of disappointment before moving on. I don't know if that's too much detail, but here's what John Rady did. He changed my life. When I read Spark, the book Spark by John Rady, came out in 2008. I probably didn't read it until 2013 or so. When I read it, it changed my life talks about the science uh, of exercise in the brain. I started to operate differently in my own life. I started to share new things with young people. I started, I think, to operate on a higher level. And and I was just so inspired. It had been so long since I had been inspired quite like that, that I'll just like forever be grateful for him. And, And I think the reason Man, this is exciting for me. I don't know if anyone's going to want to listen to this, but it's exciting for me to review because the idea that that the Good Athlete Project sits at this place of, you know, between the academy and the front, between the research and the practice, and fills the gap to create um, a system of distributing effective methods for coaching that are backed both by experience and science. I think I got some of that from John Rady because – What he talked about in his book was neuroscience at a high level, but in a way that was so digestible, that was so readable, that I, as someone who at the time did not have an extensive background in neuroscience, could just jump into and engage with. And man, I really, I just think it all kicked off from there. Before I took the GRE to go back to grad school, I was on a bike that morning, stationary bike, trying to prime a neurological state. Um, so much of my life has been influenced by him and his work. That um, yeah, I'm super grateful that we got him on the podcast. That was meaningful.
1: Yeah. Well, like you said, I don't think we're grateful to everybody that's been on the podcast. Absolutely. And, um, you know, man, be- it's
0: almost unfair. I'm sorry. I don't want to take the no, mic no, no, that, no, no. Like, it's I, almost I, unfair to call certain people out because literally, I've learned from every person who has been on the podcast. That is not an exaggeration. And
1: yeah, I mean, me too. And it's been cool to be, you know, whether I was like heavily involved in the conversation, more of a fly on the wall. It's been a cool thing to be a part of without a doubt. Um, and I think for me, to we've seen the organization kind of grow over time now. And I think if people listen to the podcast, like episode one, we talked about you. We talked about kind of the inception of all of this. That story, I think, has come out a number of times Um, for those of you who follow us on social media, you've seen that we've started to host more clinics. We've started to put out more content. And I think uh, similar to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, like just kind of reflecting on where we're at now and then like what's next, you know, like what lies ahead for us uh, as an organization and everything like that. All right. I like
0: that. I think, well, first let's identify, I I agree with you. Let's go into a little more depth about how far we've come. Yeah. Because I'll tell you the, um, you know, where we were at at the beginning was, um, was great, but do you ever listen to, I I listened only once to that first podcast. It was probably about a year and a half ago that I actually doubled back on it. And it is just a different quality. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and it's fine. And it's, you know what it is? It's two good people having a very organic, honest open conversation in the best way we knew how at that point but it is it is i'm so glad if nothing else that we have these sort of time capsules of podcasts because th- these are just markers of growth and the truth is three years from now i hope we look back on this and we're like man we're different and better yeah and you know what i mean i, I just I, I think it's important to appreciate things in the moment absolutely absolutely but I really hope that every three years in my life, I can double back on what I did three years prior and feel like I've grown. So I really do feel like not only are you and I different people in an important way, you know, in, in good, the same core good people, I hope, uh, but it, but much improved um, in a variety of other ways, professionally included. But it, it's just, it's that's really exciting to see. Um some of what we've been up to over the course of these years. Here's what I'll say. Let's focus, let's hone in on certain initiatives so we can share with people just some of the, just how cool the growth has been. I'll start with powerlifting. So at some point along the course of this, we recognize that from among the educational opportunities that athletics provides, strength training and powerlifting might be some of the most clean. And I don't want to say most powerful, but I would say most clean. And I say most clean because the feedback loops in strength training are far more direct than other sports. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's true. If you're, a, if you're a, uh, a, an amazing quarterback who does everything right, you adhere to the process, you show up to practice every day, you are diligent with your preparation and your rest and recovery. And, um, and you show up on a Friday night and you go up against an all-American defensive back who picks you off three times. The feedback of three interceptions doesn't doesn't reflect the good process well enough. Okay? The 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 fact that an all-American DB outperformed you does not mean that your process was wrong. You didn't do anything wrong per se. Anyway, you know, there are different we can go down that trajectory later. My point is that that's actually what they call a wicked feedback environment in economics to come back to a far more clean environment you'd say if you show up to the weight room with consistency use great technique uh are resilient work hard uh, focus on growth rest and recover appropriately and then keep coming back day after day after day you will grow absolutely that's how the body works so the idea that that is such a clean feedback loop has shown that to us, that strength training, powerlifting, that the, maybe we need to really invest in these areas because we, could, we can get a lot of movement here. We can teach a lot of the life lessons we hope to in that environment. So powerlifting as an effort of the Good Athlete Project. We obviously, we are the home, we, we, we house the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association. I think there are a few things that really stand out to me about the powerlifting efforts. One of them is that it's just grown massively. 2 years ago we started to cap uh participation at the state meet. You know, we first started, I don't know, 8 years ago at this point with the the first powerlifting meets we were hosting. You know, we had we had like a what was that? I was wearing the shirt the other day. It was like 2013 I think we hosted the first meet. 2013. Were you still in college? I was still in college, yeah. Holy cow. But I think that is when the first one happened. And it was just a dual meet. It was just, it was Nutria and Elk Grove. It was a two team meet. Then it expanded to three. Stag was the next one in. And then it was five. And then it was 10. And by, we said, by the time we got 10, like a, like a hundred kids, you know, let's start considering this. Let's start bringing this to real, a true state level. So we had 10 teams competing for a championship in 2015. And by 2019, we sent out. We we had to cap participation at 200 participants just because the the facility couldn't handle any more than that. So we capped participation at 200 participa- participants. It was invite only. We had a series of regional events that that essentially earned teams uh, invitations to a state meet that capped at 200. You know, I don't know how many 300 400 fans in attendance at that state. Like, it 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 went very quickly from. Wouldn't it be cool if we could get a few teams here to one of the fastest growing sports in the state of Illinois? And I don't know if the people involved even recognize that. Like we have more associate, and now I know it's different. I know I, it is definitely different. I'm not challenging any other sports when I say this, but, but there are more sports currently participating in powerlifting in the state of Illinois than participating in, I think field hockey, and perhaps a small handful of other sports. So like, that's crazy, I mean, Th- that happened fast. It really did. So in the grand scheme of things, that happened very fast. So I- I'm excited by just the growth of it. The, the growth means that-, that not only is it a testament to people like you and Dan and Brian and Pac-Man and, and so many of the people who've been so great along the way, uh, but just like it- it's been meaningful to kids and that's the biggest thing. So. The first, in terms of the barometer of, of success and growth, like sheer numbers have grown massively, that's a good indicator. Also, I'll share this after, you know, we, we're we so, I feel so lucky whenever a parent or a student comes back to us and, and just to say thank you, that really, it, it means something. It is, you know, it, it's it's extra for a kid, for an adolescent to come to an adult and thank them directly, you know, that that takes more, I think, than we realize, you know, I don't know how often I was doing that as an adolescent, probably not often enough, but I don't think I'm alone in saying that. So when an adolescent actually does come forward and thank someone for their efforts, a coach, I think it's meaningful. And I'll remember after it was actually after the 2019 competition, we, we embed all of our powerlifting competitions with conversations on mental health. Okay, We, we talk about how of our Team Embrace initiative. We talk about how if you are part of a team, then there should always be someone to talk to, and how uh, we sort of challenge people in powerlifting specifically, are you strong enough for a tough conversation? That's what we ask. So embracing the conversation, mental health and athletics. Anyway, along the course of the day, we were embedding that in pretty much everything we did. And at the end of the day, a young woman came up to me uh, and just gave me a hug and it was so excited for at the time I didn't know you know what the reason for excitement was and and then she just said thank you and then she showed me her arm and she had attempted suicide there was a very clear and obvious scar on her arm and she had been to a dark place attempted suicide and essentially found her way out in part I mean listen there's never one lever I'm sure she has amazing family structure friend structure therapist in her life, all of these things. But she said one of the things that really got her to the next level mentally was the empowerment that came through, the, through this sort of training. And she just said, thank you so much for sharing this with all these people. And it just, it resonates in, in, in such an important way because you recognize that like, okay, there's hundreds of people here. No chance this is the only girl going through a challenging time. Yeah. So just to break this open for sake of conversation and let other people know that they are not alone, uh, is probably hopefully no probably setting people up on a road to uh support if not recovery. But you gotta embrace the conversation first.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean the powerlifting has been a very specific and like very rewarding In a a very obvious way um, because of those conversations that have happened, you know, um, whether it's the one that you shared or just, I I don't know, countless times where you can see the joy on a kid's face when they get a new PR and like the excitement that they feel and the stories that you might hear from other coaches about, you know, this uh, student X was like very timid and now maybe like I had to be coaxed into doing this, but started to gain that confidence. Now they're here competing and like, they're as excited as anybody. Like that stuff's cool. I mean, it's, um, it's hard to describe, but it is rewarding. And I know that like the feeling that, that I have after every single powerlifting meet is one of like, man, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Exhausted. We're busting your
0: butt to make it happen.
1: Exactly. But then it's like this kind of like, and like, just like being okay with how exhausted you feel and almost like proud of the exhausted feeling because you're like, I know that I like busted my butt to make something really cool happen and something that wouldn't have happened otherwise and provided this awesome opportunity, so.
0: We do try to, I don't wanna cut you off, but that that is something that we talk about at the back end of a lot of our events is we try to remember that. Mm -hmm. And that's something I do think it's important. Let's share that with our listeners. Like we, we, there are moments like, I'll tell you very specifically, and you can tell me if you've got any firsthand experiences like this. There's a moment, um, you know, I, I usually will MC an event. So I've got the mic in my hand. I, I turned it off. There are three platforms beside me on one level of the of the event space that we're running the state championship in. Five more platforms down on the ground. And anyone who's been in Powhatan before will recognize that an eight platform event is freaking huge hundreds of people hundreds this highly choreographed thing we've got like 75 volunteers spotting loading refing uh, manning the tables selling t-shirts working concessions all like this this massive event and I'm sitting there I just I turn the microphone off and I'm just looking around and at some point you just have to be like it, it, it but like this wouldn't be here without us. This is a thing that exists that did not exist and would not have existed had we not been here to bring it to life. I don't really know how to. You, you opened this or you tried to. I don't know if it'll make the final cut of the podcast. With you know, it, you talk talking about art and where does art fit into all of this? I think it's. Cre- I, I think that is where to me these things feel similar. It's creation. It's you have an idea. And you try to bring the idea to life and then along the way you recognize that the idea that you had in your head isn't going to appear exactly on the page on the canvas or in the gym so you have to adapt on the fly you have to uh, listen to the feedback of the materials and the people and all that kind of stuff and to try to bring this thing to life so i wanted to go here that wasn't happening Adjust anyway the idea is it's this process of creation that can feel just incredibly rewarding. Uh, that, uh, that's where this and art feel like they align from my perspective. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, that makes sense. It makes total sense. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I said that, you know, just as a way to get the conversation rolling, but it is yeah. a, um, I can see the parallels and that's an interesting idea. And I think it's uh, apt to be honest, because that's exactly what it is. I mean, in the way that you described it, in the way that you described, like, you know, art and creation, like that's exactly what all of this has been. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think to like, think about the clinics that we've put on. Mm -hmm. I think about one of our early clinics that happened down in Oklahoma city at Mm -hmm. Jared's place. Uh, Athlete Inc. Check it out if you haven't heard it. Absolutely. Um, And it was a good clinic. There's, I mean, I, I was proud with, the way that it went and the way that it ended up. Um, and then I think back to like stag last year and the difference between the two and just how much it has grown and how much like excitement there feels like there is among the coaching community around a lot of these ideas that we're talking about. Um, and I'm not sure that I, maybe you could do a better job of this than me of like kind of describing that like, like the, just the buy-in over time. I, and I think the, the clinics, the beyond strength clinics have been a good reflection of that, the buy-in of like local coaches to like the messaging um, and a lot of the stuff that we're putting out there. And I think at leaving the stag clinic uh, was like, you you could just feel the excitement of the people that were attending and to have people attending who are like, I listen to the podcast and I follow your guys's work and like, like a follower essentially for lack of a better term, like that was a cool thing.
0: And it was a cool idea. I think, um, yeah. And I wouldn't even, I I think buy-in is one way. I I was just like, I think people are receptive to the idea. You know what a, a big hope of a lot of the forward facing like media type stuff like this is, is to get people to embrace, we talk about team embrace regarding mental health, but like embrace the other areas, the other corners of the coaching world. Here's where I, what I think. I'm just, I'm really excited with where the Good Athlete Project seems to be fitting into the conversation of coaching. Meaning, I it is so clear to me that the old, old school run into a wall style of coaching and by the way that comes from an actual story I'll, I can tell it later but but someone was just romanticizing their uh their high school experience where their their coach actually had them run into a wall think about what I just said literally had them run into a wall to see how tough they were that's not a that's not made up tougher than a wall i don't tougher than a wall <laughs> yeah show me a wall that can run and catch a pass and, and we'll talk about how valuable that was. anyway um <laughs> Sorry, I got off on that, but man, it, it just, I, over and over, Alex, I'm reminded of why we do this stuff. So we're, we're moving out of that, okay? But we haven't lost the sentiment that used to exist there. And I'll come back to that idea. So we're moving out of the uh, just sort of nonsense, barbaric, meat-headed area of era of coaching. But I think some people tip too far, in my opinion. This is just my opinion. I don't think you can be flowery and positive all the time, right? So not everything you do is perfect, young person, okay? But you don't also don't need to literally run into a brick wall to show me that you're tough. There is a middle ground. You can be tough and positive. You can be hardcore and you can be kind. You can, like all these things exist at the same time. And that is what I think you're referring to is I'm not convinced that there has been enough of a thoughtful, solid, tough, kind, you know, blended, balanced voice in this space. I'm not sure that that existed quite in the right way. And, and let me be really clear. It may have, and I just didn't hear it. So if, if you are a coach listening to this and you're doing this at your place, one, I 100% invite you to reach out to us. I want to know about you and, and your methods. And I, I mean that so sincerely. But I think what people are responding to when you when you use the term buy-in, I think what people are responding to is, is like they're like, yeah, that sounds more right. <laughs> like, yes, we need to be tough on fourth and one. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm not trying to be a jerk. but Like, I play offensive line, tight end, fullback, linebacker, d line. Like, I get the fourth and one mindset. Okay, and I literally just gave myself the chills saying that a little bit. Like, you have, and there, are, and there, and that is transferable in its own way. There are moments in life where you gotta be freaking tough. I get, I'm with it, okay? 100%. And there are moments in life when you have to chill. And there are moments in life where you have to be thoughtful. There are moments in life when you have to put your arm around a teammate or investigate uh, an idea to get some clarity around it. And then you sort of combine the tough and kind you combine the hardcore and the positive to get this middle ground, this blend, this balance that is the Good Athlete Project. That's how I see it. I think people are responding to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. And uh, it just made me think of another idea. It's like the thing that people are responding to. So less buy-in, but more what what are people responding to mm-hmm. is this idea of like, think back to the coaches who you hold like in high regard in your mind and in your memory, what, like, if you could explain to us why, right? Yeah. Like, why did they, why do you think about them in such a positive light? Why did they have such an impact? And kind of taking that, because it's it, it seems to be, there's a lot of common themes when you talk from person to person about what that coach, who that coach was and why they were that way. And taking that and saying, empowering coaches to say like, you could be that for another kid, and yeah. and like you could continue to pass that on, and you know, this is what like you found impactful.
0: Why not give that to somebody else? Let's get super actionable. You do that. Name a coach. Uh, Andy Gibbons. Name the qualities. So this is a coach that you respect. Yeah. Name the qualities of Andy Gibbons as a coach that you think you valued most. I
1: think that the word family gets tossed around a lot when you talk about sports. Mm-hmm. And I think that he is the kind of person that actually embodied what people mean when they say that or hope to achieve when they say that, which is that I knew that Coach Gibbons always had my best interest in mind. I know that he was tough on us. There's no question about that on the football field. He was, he was you know, he demanded a lot of us. I also know that off of the field, if I ever needed anything, I could go to him and I could talk to him and I could, you know, just even if it was if it was talking about nothing, if it was just like going in there and BSing with Coach Gibbons and just talking about life because I feel like I needed that at that moment to de-stress. I knew I could do that. And I also knew that I could do that or tell him that I'm feeling a certain way or needed that and go out on the field the next day and still get that same Coach Gibbons. Is this,
0: were you playing linebacker at the time? Yeah. So just to paint the picture for people, you're talking about a coach. First of all, love you Andy Gibbons if you hear this. But uh, a big, broad, strong, bicked, bald, like you know what I mean, skin bald, yeah. uh, tough looking guy, played linebacker in college, football coach, coaching you at, at linebacker. So not not tough but so clearly welcoming in this way that you're talking about yeah yeah I mean, he cared about us and it
1: was it was obvious that yeah. he cared about us and he showed it in different ways and he showed it in the ways that he was tough on us because he was tough on us because he wanted us to improve That's and be better
0: and he showed it in the ways where he was not as tough on us and listen and just and welcoming talks. you in so so say more about that so he showed he cared in the ways that he was tough on us. Is a really, I like the way you said that.
1: He wanted us to improve on the football field. He cared about all of us improving, not just if you were the starter, but if you were the last guy on the bench coming into the game, he was gonna give you that same time and attention to help you get better and to take that next step. And that shows. Uh, and And that's like, when I say that, like he showed he cared about us and the way that he was tough on us is like, because guess what, if he made you do a drill again, it wasn't because he didn't like you. It wasn't mm-hmm. because he just felt like, you know, he had a bad day and needed to take it out on someone. He made you do it again so that you got better and so right. that you improved. Whether or not you were the All-American Exactly, or not. Yeah. so that kind of stuff is what resonated with me a lot and uh, I would like to think has really
0: influenced my coaching to this day. That's right. Well, you know, okay, so let's transition right from there. One thing that's so clear to me about coaching, and I hope that I've upheld this over the course of my career because I really do feel it and mean it and try to do it. There does come a time in, over the course of a season where you have to be specific about where you devote your efforts. That's just obvious. Like you, you have to be sure that your starters and your backups are ready to play. That's, that, that's just the truth. But, you, it, but any coach who would ever just th- sort of throw in the towel on a kid, listen to this coaches, you're not a freaking coach. That's just how I feel, right? Right. Like, the, the kids who don't, I'm, I'm telling you, ready, ready for this? I'm gonna reference back to, holy cow, I, this is so good, dude, I, I love this. We, I, we were just on a text thread with um, myself, I'm gonna try to name them all. Uh, the article was about Jack Johnson who had a five sack game. James Doan, Andrew Hauser, Michael Cernas, I think Michael Welch joined that defensive line. He was he was a great athlete, bounced all over the field, found his position on defensive line. Um, those are probably our core guys that were really getting into the action. Anyway, let me tell you a little story about that. Those that was one of the best defensive lines we've we had in a long time. And I I I welcome the comparison. Anyone who's listening to this who thinks that they are part of a better defensive line. I'm with you, throw the names out, uh, let's talk about it. Because we've, we've had some great ones. But this one was especially good. And it was especially good because I think every part of that defensive line, not just the guys that got their name in the paper, was an essential part of our defensive line. Does that make sense? Yeah. We had, uh, we had a young man, Ryo Adewunmi, who had a role he was the tenderizer he wouldn't go in he wasn't a full-time starter he wasn't a full-time player when he went in he went in for a series of he went for two play bursts he would line up at nose guard and he would tenderize the center he would just you know because I mean? that's what he was good at and we had a great time with it uh loved being around him I would actually love to see Ryo I hope you if you're listening to this Ryle, I, I hope you're doing well man. Uh, but but everyone, even the ones who didn't find a role in that way, in like a part-time position, everyone had their role, even if that was just being a great teammate at practice. And because of that, that team that I, uh, you know, those starters who ended up getting their name in the paper, the defensive line that we pulled together was like legitimately elite. We played our arch rival Evanston, who was supposed to be really flipping good. And we, they could not get, they couldn't get a pass off. They could not get a pass off. We held them to under 100 yards rushing. They were supposed to have a great rushing attack. Um, they had a very good quarterback who was in, I think, his second, maybe even third year as a starter. Maybe he started as a sophomore in his senior year. And these and, and our guys just like took him apart. It was amazing. So I say that just to go back to a previous idea of why I think what we're talking about is so important. Not only is it the ethically correct thing to do to not turn your back on a kid over your time together with him as, a, as an athlete, but it also, I really do believe, it also enhances the performance of the unit of the team. It's like, it's obvious. If you're the kind of coach who, who loves up on his two recruits and the third guy who's a starter or whatever, and then, and then turns his back to the other kids, that, that demoralizes the culture of the team it it, it eats away at it so I, I love to hear you say that because i think again it's it's part of the ethical rightness you know it's it's part of you know that positive coaching instinct but it's also part of the hardcore like yeah we want to win games too like this there's it's happening at the same time i think people recognize should recognize yeah all right so i think maybe we're now at the point where we talk about where we're headed the Good Athlete Project has come a long way. We are really excited about that. Uh, BeyondStrength.net, you know, started as a place to house certain ideas. Uh, we, in in the last year, we had more than twelve thousand reads, which may not be anything compared to some of the big news media outlets, but it's just it's a pet project. It's one of the things that we're working on, and it's growing. We're on pace. We are on pace to hit twenty thousand reads. Uh, in 2020 feedspot.com just named it the number 17 sports psychology blog um, in their list of the top 50 which is awesome we've got some partners who are coming on to sponsor that work and it's just like I think that's really compelling so check out beyondstrength.net teamembrace.net is sort of it's going to follow a similar model and I think it's really important it's going to be the same sort of website but geared primarily toward embracing the conversation of mental health and athletics. Definitely got to check that out. We're hosting more, um, We are. this is kind of cool, in-person strength and conditioning. In this quarantine COVID moment, we are hosting events. We are consulting schools on how to do it, how to program it well, all of these things. So that's as much in-person as we're probably doing for the moment. We're hosting an online powerlifting nationals competition, sponsored by Kabuki Strength, which has just been, it's so cool to see that that's actually coming to life. have got about 150 uh, participants, I believe, in that right now, and it's just really exciting to be part of. We're shifting a lot of our event model to a Zoom platform, which I know is not the same, but we just cannot cannot give up on our motive or our, our mission which is to maximize the potential of athletics as education if we want to do that we've got to get people together sharing ideas so keep an eye out for some clinics that we're going to be hosting via Zoom in the coming months trying to think what else we got cooking
1: YouTube YouTube's been Are you
0: we're picking up on our YouTube channel a little bit we've really never focused there before but we're we're doing more and more on YouTube we'll be posting uh videos from our live conferences and clinics we're going to be posting little mini lectures on YouTube. We're posting a lot of workout, easy at home workout stuff. We've got some good stuff going on YouTube.
1: We're putting out more more content than we ever have currently um, on the platforms that we mentioned. Um, one of the other things that I think is cool on that is specifically for the listeners is um we're featuring other people on some of those platforms as well in terms of the blogs. And, or not and in terms of like Team Embrace and uh, Beyond Strength, we're having like guest authors. Lots of guest authors. I'm,
0: yeah. I'm all so of yeah.
1: Um, check those out. And if you feel like you might be one of those people that likes to write and wants to share your story or share some of the information that you have, reach out to us on some of those websites because you know, we love love to promote the work of
0: other people doing good work as well. Alex, that's a perfect way to maybe bring this full circle is we, we invite people to get on, like, join our team. And uh, we just closed our internship application. We got three amazing interns for the summer. Um, but if you want to join the Good Athlete Project in some way, please do reach out to us. I think like you said, if, 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 you, if you don't have a ton of time, but you do have a ton of important ideas, submitting to one of our publication outlets makes total sense to me. Yeah. We wanna hear about you, your journey, your story, and your methods. And we'd be happy to share that. So it's a really I think that's the perfect way to maybe bring it full circle. Um I will say to people that we have some other stuff cooking that I don't want to go I, I don't want to overshoot. I don't want to say anything, I don't want to say too much before it's sort of fully baked and some of our partnerships are finalized. But I will say this. I I'm just I'm crazy encouraged by by a lot. Um the feedback that we've gotten from coaches after workshops, schools are are reaching out to us very regularly. Listeners who of the podcast are reaching out regularly. It's just awesome, man! It, it's really, it's growing in a way that is, I think, important and exciting. And I think I'll use this opportunity to say thank you to you, Alex, for your essential piece in all of this. Um, Alex is the podcast editor for years now but he's but the amount of things that you do um, that too is sort of almost unquantifiable well, countless things over and over um, in addition to being the best coach you can be so being not only a practitioner but someone who's very interested in sharing best practice with people has been really important, so thank you.
1: Well, I appreciate it and I appreciate the opportunity. I've learned a lot. Um I've grown a lot through my involvement and that's been, that's not just my words, that's actually, it was part of my performance review uh, from St. Viator. They mentioned really? that the work I do here is, they're grateful for it and they're really say, glad. Say that
0: specifically. Yeah, here, I,
1: I mean that like. So in, at your
0: job review, performance yeah. review.
1: Yeah. Say say that exactly. At my performance review for the end of this year, one of the notes uh, was that they were really happy with my involvement with the Good Athlete Project because they had felt that it was positively impacting not only the other coaches that we have on staff, but also the students that we have. And they were like, we just hope that is something that continues. And yeah. So
0: that's amazing, dude. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm glad to hear that they saw it. I'm, I'm obviously very glad to have you involved. And I encourage any other coaches who want to be part of this movement to reach out immediately. We want to hear from you. Absolutely. Thanks for everything. Great job. You too. Keep it up. Do you need business cards? need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level, if so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You restaurant group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner they will give you this sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods you just can't find that combo honestly anywhere else find them online at mightyprint.com that's m-i-t-e print p-r-i-n-t dot com and on instagram same thing at mighty print, m-i-t-e print and tell them the good athlete project sent you